Amen. Well, it is good to sing of the greatness of God this morning. I, um, you know, I'm just out there, I'm singing, I'm thinking, I needed that. And I know if you're at home right now, it's a little more difficult to engage in that part of the service, you know, because your dog wants to go out and your kids are uh, needing to be kind of taken care of, or maybe you've got teenagers and they're not out of bed yet. Or maybe you have little kids and you're thinking, I wish I had a teenager who slept in because you've been up since five. So that's possible too. And then they become teenagers and you're like, go to college, you know, so... Um, that happens, but, uh, but it's good. It is good to sing of the greatness of God, you know, and it's, and it's good to sing it again and again and again and again and again and again. And as you do, you engage in it, I hope. You know, great are you, Lord, and then just begin to rehearse why he's great. Great are you, Lord, you are great in your power. I'm not. Great are you, Lord, you are great in your love. Mine's limited. You know, great are you, Lord, you're great. We'll talk about it later in your wisdom. I need that. It's funny what we do with the word great, you know? Oh, I had a great time. And how are you feeling? Great. What does that mean? It just means I lied to you. You know, like, that's it. That's, I didn't want to talk. I assumed you didn't really want to know, you know? Great is the Lord. And one of the many great things he has done is he has taken his heart and his mind, and by the power of his spirit, he has given it to people who wrote the word of God for us. And he's preserved it and given it to us. It's a remarkable gift. So with that in mind, we continue with our study of the books of First and Second Kings today. And today we come to First Kings chapter 3 and with it to a question that every person everywhere wishes God would ask of him or her. Absolutely got to be the case. Like you don't even believe in God maybe and you would go, listen, if there is a God and he was going to ask me a question, this is the one I'd want. Why? Because God comes to Solomon, the son of David, the brand new king of Israel, and he says, okay, so Solomon, here's the deal. Um... Ask anything of me, and I will give it to you. That's pretty awesome, right? What would your answer be? Because here's what I want us to do. I want us to take our answer and put it on the table, and then I want us to look at Solomon's answer, which is almost certainly different. And I want to put that on the table, and then I want to compare the two. So what is your answer? Not the answer you know that you should give, and maybe you've done your personal worship this week, and so you know what his answer is. You're like, I'm going to align my answer with his answer because I know that's the right answer. And No, no, no. Like, really, truly, like, actually in your heart, your answer would be what? It would be health, maybe. It would be wealth, maybe. It would be dominance lifelong over all of your enemies and adversaries. I'm going to know how to negotiate all of this stuff and, like, conquer. It's possible. I want a great relationship with my spouse or with my kids. I want deep and abiding friendships that change my life. I want to travel and experience all that this world has to offer. You know what, Tom, if I had to choose one thing, it would be joy or it would be peace or it would be freedom from affliction because I'm sick of that. Like, what's the answer? Because Solomon's answer is wisdom. And I think until we understand this, kind of our gut reaction when we hear this is kind of like, oh, dude, that's a blown opportunity, you know? I can't you just get that from a book, Solomon? Not really. But we can because God shared his mind, his heart, his wisdom with people like Solomon, all the other writers of the scriptures. And then they came, and in books like, for example, the book of Proverbs, which is his, his book on wisdom, they have re- conserved it, they've, they've recorded it, and they've given it to us. So we can get wisdom, okay, from a book, but we've got to understand what it means to get. What does it mean to get wisdom? Because here's the deal. It is far more than just informational. It has to be transformational. And if it isn't transformational, then we haven't gotten it yet. And Solomon tells us this in Proverbs 1, first two verses. 
His book on wisdom, he says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to do what? Because here's the purpose statement of the book, but the key word is the next one, to know. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. All right, here's what you need to know about biblical knowledge. Uh, It's not just mastering the content, it's being mastered by the content. It's not being able to pass the quiz. It's not, I've studied the book of Proverbs, ask me a question. Hey, Tom, finish this statement. He who walks with the wise grows... Wise, that's the answer. Okay, finish it out. Okay, the companion of fools suffers loss. I got an A on the quiz. I mean, I chose the question so that I'd know the answer, but I got an A on the quiz. It's great for my GPA. does nothing for my life. Zero. Not a thing. It's not about knowing it. It's about knowing it. Biblical knowledge is experiential. What he's talking about here is taking the wisdom of God and surrendering yourself to it, placing yourself beneath it, receiving it as from the Lord and by the power of his spirit who lives within you in community with Christian people whom he gives to walk together through life with you, right, taking that wisdom and applying it in your life, living it out, learning to access it and live it. And in the process, what happens is you learn to live skillfully. And the reason that I say it that way is because the word wisdom in the Bible literally refers to living skillfully. It means skilled. So in other words, when the Bible speaks of a really great artist, it says that the great artist is wise in his art. When it speaks of a really great craftsman, it says this great craftsman is wise in her craft. When it speaks of a really great musician, it says that this great musician is wise in music. Like, And when it comes to us and it talks about wisdom for living, it's like, okay, so here's what I, your heavenly father, wants to equip you to be able to do. And I'm going to give you my wisdom by which to do it, my spirit by which to do it, and my people who are going to help you to do it. But you're going to have to surrender to all all of the above. I want you to learn how to live skillfully. I have designed all of the laws of physics and I've designed all of the laws of life. And here's what I'm, your father, I'm not doing. It wouldn't be kind and I'm kind. It wouldn't be loving and I'm loving. It wouldn't be just and I'm just. I'm sharing it with you. You're like, I'm giving it to you. You want to know how to live skillfully and make your life a work of art a beautiful piece of craftsmanship, a song. Okay, well, here's my wisdom. Will you surrender to it? Will you be filled by my spirit and then learn how to apply it in your life and, and begin to live it out? And, 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 but the deal is, the answer to that, at least in part, is no, right? Isn't it? Like, why don't we want to know wisdom in the biblical kind of way? Because the benefits are pretty obvious. I mean, just take the proverb that I just gave you, right? He who walks with the wise grows wise. Like, I mean, pretty much any crowd of people, if you went, all right, so uh, how many of you are interested in growing in wisdom? You know, we'd all be like, of course I'm interested in growing in wisdom. You know, yawn. I mean, come on. The companion of fools suffers loss. How many of you would like to avoid loss? It's a no-brainer. Like, if I told you that after the service, we're going to be giving away loss, you know, if you're online, you just sign off. What's going on with Doug at Calvary today? (laughs) Like, you know, I mean, like, that's the easiest leaving of a service ever. You guys would be like, oh, look at the time. I got to go, you know. Come on, get some free loss. You're like, no, 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 that's okay. Keep that. Like, the benefits of wisdom are obvious. But we don't want to change. And the truth is that wisdom requires change. 
So he who walks with the wise grows wise. And, you know, I mean, I want to grow in wisdom, sure. The companion of fools suffers loss. I don't want to suffer loss, but I don't want to change my community. I don't want to change my friends. I don't want to spend less time here and more time here. I don't want to have to go out and cultivate a whole new group of relationships. I don't want to have difficult conversations. I don't want to change. And that's true of all of us by nature. You know, by nature, we want freedom, but we don't want any form or any order. By nature, we want liberty, but we don't want any of the laws. By nature, we want love, but we don't want commitment. And wisdom comes to us and says, guys, you can't have any of those things. I mean, like, you can't have freedom without form and order. You can't have liberty without law. Why? Why? Because when you go outside of the boundaries that God comes to you and establishes, what you realize is that in your search for freedom, you find slavery. You become bound. That's where addiction lives. That's where regret resides. God comes to us and says, look, just like the physical laws that I've established, I've established moral laws for living, and inside of the boundaries, inside of the form, inside of the order, inside of the fence post that I give you, that's where freedom is. It's where it lives, and it's amazing, and it's beautiful, and I'm preserving it for you. I'm giving it to you. I'm telling you where to find it. And wisdom says, okay, I'm going to find it there, and I'm going to enjoy it. Love without commitment. You know, one of the most fundamental needs of every human being is we want to be fully loved, right? But to be fully loved, we have to be fully known. That's why when we're dating somebody, we don't reveal ourselves completely, do we? Because we're fearful, you know, absent that commitment, that if we come out with who we really are, we might not be loved after all. What gives you the ability to come out with who you really are? It's standing there at an altar before God and everybody else and saying, okay, in plenty and in want, in sickness and in health, in sorrow and in joy, till death do us part. I'm committing to love you no matter what I see in you. So you can step out of the shadows and you can be you and be loved. There's a wisdom to this world that, honestly, we play out in our lives. Like, we see it, we do it, we know it, we prove it to be true. And God's like, can I save you some time and some hurt? Wisdom requires change, and truthfully, we don't want to change. And one of the reasons why we don't want to change is that, you know, we're not convinced that we really need to. Like, you know, I don't know, I might be actually the first person in history who doesn't walk with the wise and grows wise nevertheless, you know, who who, who is a companion of fools and doesn't suffer loss. What's that called? It's called pride. There's a proverb for that too. It says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Look, you know, we don't want any of that either. We want nothing to do with that. And God's going, can I help you then? Can I, can I point some things out? Can I grant to you this wisdom? Pride says I don't need to change, and so therefore, what does change require? It requires me to be humbled. It requires humility. And that's exactly what God organized the life of Solomon, and maybe of me, and maybe of you, to.
to bring him to the point of. Solomon, by his own admission, says, listen, it was these circumstances that brought me to a place where I went, oh my goodness, Lord, I, I, I don't need health as much as I need wisdom. I don't need wealth as much as I need wisdom. The ability to dominate my enemies, that would be awesome and I would appreciate that, but I don't need that as much as I need wisdom. All of these other things that, you know, I would otherwise maybe put on the table and go, this sounds like a good thing. You know, I mean, my real answer here, he's like, no, no, no. My real answer is this. It says, and Solomon said in response to God's question in First Kings 3, beginning in verse 6, He says, oh, Lord, here's my answer. You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and you have given him a son to sit on the throne, his throne, this day, as you've promised is the idea. He says, and now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in the place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. Okay, when you reconstruct the life of Solomon and you look and you measure the age of his children and and the age of his oldest at the time that he became king, you realize that at this point when he's talking about being a little child, he's at least 41 years old. He's not saying, hey, look, I'm 13 and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Like, I've done nothing. I've seen nothing. I don't have any kind of education. I'm not accomplished in any sense. I have no training for He is just looking at the weight of the responsibility all of a sudden of being the king of Israel, all the decisions that he's going to have to make, all of the responsibilities that he has, all of the people whose fate in some sense is in his hands as the governor of the whole of the nation. He's going, good grief, this is beyond me. Like in comparison with this, I'm but a little child. In fact, I'm so inept, God, that I do not even know how to go in or come out. That is to say, how to walk into my court or how to leave in what fashion. What is that? It's self-awareness. It's humility. I'm sure as he grew up as the, the king's son, man, I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? How that might inflame the ego? I'm sure he had his battles with ego. Well, he's not battling here. The battles come to him and it's defeated him and it's good. He says, Lord, I... I don't have what it takes, and yet notwithstanding that, your servant, me, Solomon, is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind. He's saying, give me wisdom by which to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people? In other words, Solomon met a challenge for him that was too big for him, and God used that to humble him. And then he came to him and said, all right, so how you feeling, buddy? So what do you, what do you need? Ask one thing. I'll give that to you. I don't know, man. I, I feel like last year and so far this year, too much for me. Maybe you feel that way too. There are trials in life, there are difficulties in life, and we can grind our teeth and grit our teeth and we can just get through them and put them behind us or we can realize that, no, God has placed these things in our life for a reason and one of those reasons is to humble us before him and to cry out from our inadequacies, I don't have what it takes. But great are you, Lord. Like, I'm not so great. (laughs) But great are you and great is your faithfulness. You are to be trusted in. I need your wisdom. And as Drew said, God has promised that when we come to him and ask for it, 
He will give it to us. And where do we find it, by the way? Primarily, we find it in His Word. And so as painful as all of that stuff is, if that's the end result of it, well, then that's a good thing. Wisdom requires change, but change requires humility. Listen to what Solomon says in Proverbs 1, verse 7, because he takes the whole of humanity and divides us into two groups, the wise and the unwise. He says there are those who fear the Lord and therefore gain wisdom, and then there's the other group. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Those are the ones who get the wisdom. Fools, he says, despise wisdom and instruction because they pridefully think that they don't need it. And you say, well, you know, I mean, are you saying that if I'm scared of God, well, then I'll ask for wisdom? And that's not at all the kind of fear that he's talking about here. What he's saying is if you recognize God as God and you not as God, when you recognize his word as wisdom and, you know, I mean, we come up with good ideas. When you surrender and you have humbled yourself before him and you say, God, I am crying out to you out of my known, recognized, confessed inadequacies. And you come to his word and filled by his spirit together with his people, you begin to apply the principles of life to your life. You gain wisdom. It makes you skillful at living. God comes to Solomon. He says, okay, buddy, you're about to get going. Feel like this is a good moment. I've brought you to this through the severity of your life. I think you're going to give me the right answer. In fact, I'm God, so I know. But let's say it. What do you want me to do for you? He says, you know what? I want you to give me wisdom. And here's the great irony. Um, The great irony is that God is so pleased with his request that he gives him all the other stuff too. He says, listen, I'm going to give you wisdom, but I'm so happy. I'm so happy with this. I'm also going to give you health. In fact, I'm so thrilled we're going to kick in wealth. You know what? You're going to have lifelong dominance over your enemies. Relationships, man, like you're going to be really good in this area. Travel, experience the world, like you are going to get to do it all. But like I am so excited that you've asked for wisdom that all of this other stuff is going to be yours too. But here's what's fascinating about it. How does God deliver all of these other things to Solomon? In large part, it's through the wisdom that he asks for. I mean, again, you know, just take the world and divide it into unwise and wise. Who lives longer? On average. Who is healthier physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Who tends to be wealthier? I realize there are exceptions, but it's like this. Who understands how to negotiate the difficulties of life? Who has richer and deeper friendships and better relationships? Who, who, who? It's like, look, the benefits of wisdom are crying out to us, and they are themselves the gifts of the wisdom that God gives. When we know the wisdom, not just in our minds, I can recite it. Well, that's great. That's helpful. The question, though, is are you living it? So Solomon asked for wisdom, and if you did your personal worship this week and you studied through 1 Kings chapter 3, you know his wisdom is immediately and very famously tested. He's approached by these two prostitutes. They live together. They both have sons the same age, but they come bringing only one alive. So this woman comes with a living child, and the other woman comes with her, and the other woman's accusation is, hey, you know what? Last night, her child died. And what she did was she snuck over to me while I was asleep with my living son and she exchanged my living son for her dead child and then she took my living son and went to sleep with him. And then when I woke up in the morning, I I realized 
the child next to me was dead. But then when I looked at him, I realized also that's not my kid. That kid is my kid. She has my baby. Meanwhile, the other woman's like, she's nuts. You know, I don't know what she's talking about. She's crazy. She's trying to take my child. And this is not in a day and in an age where you can do DNA testing. It's 3,000 years ago. You know, there's no NCIS you can call in. There's no video video cameras. There's no witnesses to any of this. It's a she said, she said, okay? That's it. That's all Solomon has to work with. He says, bring me a sword. Cut the child in half. Give half to her and half to her. The woman holding the child says, that's a great idea. Let's do that. The other woman is mortified. She says, oh, no, my lord, the king, let let her keep him. Just don't harm the child. Solomon says, you're the mother. Give the baby to her. Remarkable wisdom. The wisdom of God is even greater in Christ toward you than that. Think about this. In order to have you as his child, his son or daughter, to adopt you into his family with all of the rights and privileges of a child, with a great inheritance that is yours because of Jesus. God said, okay, so here's my baby. I'm going to sacrifice him so that I can have you. That's the heart of our Father who comes to us. And he's not bossing us around. He's pleading. Read the Proverbs. Solomon comes with the voice of a father pleading for the heart of his children. The first nine chapters is motivational primarily. It's him jumping up and down and going, hey, would you please surrender to the wisdom of the Lord? Because the heart of a father for you is blessing. It is good. It is righteousness. It is life. And he alone knows what that looks like. He's marked out all the boundaries. He's framed out all the boxes. Freedom in there. Love in there. Whatever you're looking for, he's like, it's in here, you see? It comes to us from the hand of our good Father, and he gives it to us oftentimes through the wisdom that he offers us and calls us to surrender in humility to So two questions and I'm done. What area of your life are you knowingly living out of accord with the wisdom of the Lord in right now? You know, like every sermon, no matter what it's about, it's about that. Have you experienced that? It's terrible, isn't it? I hate that. I I listen to all these Christian songs on the radio. They're all about this. Every comment somebody makes, it's about this. You know, every time I open the Bible, wherever it's about this. So what's the this? And will you humble yourself before him in his wisdom? And by the power of his spirit, with the help of his people, imperfectly, and yet progressively, better and better, more perfectly, deploy, employ his wisdom in your life. Oh, man. Not only that you might know its blessings, that's nice, but primarily so that you might look different to the rest of the world, the wise and the unwise. Wisdom is attractive. Its fruit is awesome. And what it does is it gives you the opportunity to not go, hey, you know, I'm really amazing. That's how I get all of it. No, no, no. No, I debased myself before the Lord. That's how I get all of this. It comes from him. Let me share him with you.
So think about that. You know, where are you living out of accord with his wisdom right now? You know it. You got it. Will you humble yourself before him? Repent. Cry out for forgiveness. Receive his wisdom and begin to employ it in your life, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we, we praise you that you have not left us without your word. God, you are a God who speaks. Oh, Lord, let us hear your voice. Let us hear it in every sermon, no matter what it's about, no matter who brings it. Let us hear it in every song, no matter what it's about or who sings it. Let us come to you with it and and in prayer that your spirit would remind us of it until we relent that we might not know destruction, but that we might know life. God, we praise you that in Christ you forgive all. It cost his life to forgive our sin. That's the gravity of it. And yet you gave his life to forgive our sin that we might belong to you. There's gravity in that too, and peace, and value, and joy. Lord, humble us before you by whatever means you need to use to do it. And that is a terrifying statement. That we might desire you more than anything. And Lord, that we might lay ourselves before you and cry out from a state of insufficiency. Hey, you know what? I don't have it. I don't have this one. (laughs) I didn't have the last one either, but now I'll admit it, you know. God, come and fill me with your spirit. God, come and forgive me by the blood of your son. God, come and instruct me by your word. God, come and encourage me through your people. God, come and make me more like Jesus so that I might also tell people about him. Do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.